Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. And now you've got Kajula looking for the activating nurse. He's got him to win it. Nurse shoots and scores. Riley takes the snap, settles into the pocket. He's got some time. Now he's going deep, looking down the sidelines. Oh, what a catch! And that's going to be a touchdown all the way to the end zone for Darrell Walker. An absolute bomb. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6:30, Chad. Anybody have leftovers for lunch? Oh, I sure did. And for supper when I get home. And for lunch tomorrow. Thank goodness Aunt Mary's cabbage rolls are delicious. Hey, thanks for tuning in tonight. It's Inside Sports on Eskimos and Oilers Radio 630 Ched. You may want to put this into the phone, into the calendar on your phone. 7.30 tonight, the Eskimos Coaches Show, Jason Moss, Morley Scott, as the Eskimos lose another one. In awful fashion. Yesterday in Saskatchewan, 1912 to the Rough Riders. Blake Dermott, our Eskimos analyst, is going to join us in a couple of minutes here on 630 Ched. NHL tonight, Sharks leading the Flyers 3-0. The game is not even 13 minutes old. Joe Pavelski has scored twice. Early in the second period, Carolina up 3-2 on Vancouver. Also early period two, Blue Jackets with a 2-0 edge on Colorado. Still to come, Flames up against the Predators. The Kings meet the Jets and the Maple Leafs in Dallas to play the Stars. Baseball, just one game tonight, Red Sox at Yankees. It is just getting underway. The Yankees must win to stay alive. The Red Sox with that blowout win last night. All right. Well, I don't know where this football team is headed. Uh, I got some uh, messages from some of you earlier today I want to get to as we move along. You can text 630-630. We'll have open line time after Blake, 780-496-0063. But let's bring in former Eskimo, our analyst here on 630 Chad, Blake Dermott. Blake, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing good, Reed. Thanks for having me on. Now, when a former offensive lineman has Thanksgiving dinner, are there leftovers or do you make sure it's all eaten by you <laughs> at the, at the you city? Know, you know, <laughs> we had this conversation. My wife and I had this conversation yesterday. We are making way too much food. It's like we're, we're it's like we're making food for an army. And uh, and uh, we only had eight people come over. My kids and their their families came over, and 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 we they left with a lot of it. And but there'll still be enough for us to pick at for the next two three days. So no, we don't we don't clean it up anymore. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I, w- I wanted to start there. I-, I know you love the food questions. I think that might be a-, a favorite topic for you right up there with actually talking about the Eskimos. Uh, and yesterday's game, man, 
They uh, great defensive performance. They have the lead late and they lose by seven. Blake, I'm going to start at the end of the game with the pivotal play. And I know I talked a little bit about this uh, on my show last night. I mean, it's second and five. You're right around midfield. Uh, you have the wind if, to punt it if you don't get the first down. And you, you don't give the ball to C.J. Gable. And I'm kind of thinking, like, man, he's, you know, he's averaging 4.7 yards a carry on the day. He got you five yards on first day, on first down. I, I would love to see him get the ball again. And, and you've always taught me that lesson about play calling. Be careful about criticizing it because you don't always know exactly what play was called. But I, I just feel like from a game, game management perspective, I would have loved to see a run there. Well, you know, I think when I when I looked at uh, how Saskatchewan had defended that, uh, that's a classic, um, uh, I mean, a classic defensive front that they would have given them, and and I, it's, it's what they call, and some people call it this, but they call it like a zone drop, when your defensive end is dropping off into coverage. So what what uh, Chris Jones liked to do, I, I had a chance to talk to him at length about this uh, about this defense, and uh, he was saying that they they essentially walk up more guys than you can block and make your blockers account for everybody so and having when you're doing that 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 always leaves one more guy open and so what happens is and what happened uh yesterday was as the ball was snapped the guy that knew that he was accounted for he drops off and they send an extra guy that is not so now what you do is you make your running back commit to the guy that's going to block or your offensive lineman commit to that guy and he takes two steps forward and then drops back into coverage and so so riley would not have seen that he wouldn't have seen him drop off and uh or at least you know experience tells me that that you know that's something that they do all the time but but it's an unusual guy to drop off you expect the linebacker to drop off and quarterbacks will, will have in their in their checkdowns I'm accounting for this guy, this guy, and this guy. And so he would have thrown the ball where he, he would know that his unblocked guy was going to be coming from. And when, when the defensive lineman drops off, it's like, surprise, there's somebody there. And it was a great play. To, you try to catch a ball that's being thrown at like a 90-mile-an-hour uh, fastball, uh, fastball that's coming at you from about eight feet away, and to catch that thing, it was a, it was a great play by, the, uh, you know, by Saskatchewan. And, and, uh, and of course... Uh, you know, when you got your defensive lineman is six foot six and can jump uh, out of the building, he's so athletic. He made a great play, and it made it difficult because if you would have tried to run there, and that's why I say that maybe they did have a run called, but seeing that they've got more guys up than you can block, there's no place for you to run. So your opportunities are you probably would have had to check down to a hot read, and and that's why he would have thrown the ball at that situation, and that was a, a classic uh, example of the defense dictating to the offense what you're going to do. All right. Well, that's a great explanation of, of what you saw in that play for sure. Now, from a larger picture, picture perspective, Blake, we have now seen the Eskimos go over nine quarters without an offensive touchdown. Three points against Winnipeg and, uh, you know, 12 points against Saskatchewan and then obviously allowing a, a defensive score that, that cost you the game. Uh, I mean, I know Walker's out, but there are some pretty good players and a, and a great quarterback on that offense. And a lot of things are being questioned now about what the Eskimos are, are doing offensively. Yeah, you know that's. Uh, I was talking with somebody about that earlier today, and and I don't know if it's if it's you know. And this happens to some guys. Some guys as as coordinators, or some guys as coaches, um, and and we all do as human beings. We have we have certain tendencies, and if you've been around long enough, 
you will know what those tendencies are for guys. You know, you look at a guy like Rich Stubler and you ask about Rich Stubler. Well, he's a bend but don't break defense. And uh, you're going to get all kinds of yards in those guys, but he's going to make it tough for you to score at the end. But, you know, they, you, you get a book on them, and, and maybe that's happened to, to the Eskimos in that they, they, they've, other teams around the league have, had, have found an awful lot of success. When you, when you look at the talent level that's in that locker room and, and understand or try to understand how they haven't scored a touchdown in nine quarters, it makes it really difficult to understand unless there are some keys and tells that the Eskimos have, and, and we all know that co- coaches will change and put in all new plays and everything else, but in certain key situations, it's, it's uh, human nature to sort of fall back to what you're comfortable with. And, and when they get into those situations, is that happening to the Eskimos' offense? And, you know, uh, it, it always seems that whenever there's a breakdown in a play, uh, you, can, you can point to it on film, and that could happen in the second play of the game or the 50th play of the game, but you can look to a, a point on the film why there was a breakdown. And, and I'm sure that in key situations where the Eskimos last year in, in, at, uh, at times when they were you know, on their streak at the beginning of the year and on the streak at the end of the year, they weren't making those mistakes in key situations. And right now they seem to be making those key mistakes in key situations. And this is a team that it doesn't look like they're playing with a whole lot of confidence that they would have had at the beginning of the year where they were coming back from behind and winning games and you know they, we used to talk about this on, on air about how how they just seem to have uh, so much confidence and they just believe in themselves that they're going to do that i don't see that right now blake dermott our eskimos analyst joining us on inside sports all right so i and we, we touch on the struggles here of the offense i, I think we got to give some credit to the other side of the ball about how far the defense has come, and uh, really the last three weeks, all losses, I, I think the defense has done a pretty good job of, of giving the Eskimos a chance to, to at least win or stay in the game. Certainly yesterday, I mean, they didn't allow a touchdown. What do you think the defense has done throughout the season here, Blake, that's allowed them to be more successful? Well, I'm, I'm not sure, I, 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 again, because I'm not in a film session, I'm not sure exactly what they're doing, but... But what they have done is and it's obvious in that they've, they've taken away and they've given up a lot. You know, I was listening to the, the broadcast, the, the television broadcast yesterday. They've given up more big plays than anybody else. But, I mean, I think a lot of that has happened earlier in the season. They've sort of taken away the big play. They've, they've forced teams into, they, when, when they get into the red zone, and we saw this last week against Winnipeg when the Eskimos turned the ball over twice inside their own 30-yard line, and the defense held the uh, Bombers to three points. And they only gave up one touchdown in that game. And, uh, you know, uh, the, it's difficult to, to put, a, put your hand on it, but they seem to be, or put your, your finger on it, but they seem to be in key situations locking down and, and, and not making the mistakes that the offense is doing the reverse of, making the mistakes in key situations. And uh, and I think that their 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 defense is playing with a whole lot of confidence. And you know when you've got a front that's that's giving you that that, that pressure that they have. It was Seawell getting two sacks yesterday. You know they they they're getting some pressure. They're getting to the quarterbacks. That makes your life as a defensive back or a linebacker a little bit easier when that that front four uh, can take some of the heat off you. Well, I, I agree. I've been much more pressure than they got earlier in the season. And, uh, yeah, I mean, they got a Kalaros to fumble yesterday, plus they uh, got the interception, right, where they had Kalaros backpedaling under pressure, and he sailed that ball for sure. But, yeah, the offense not able to respond. A short week after a game like that, Blake, I mean, I know they, I know you need, you need rest and you always prefer as much time off as possible, but short week after a game like that, good or bad mentally? Well, you know, I mean, in, in today's world where they don't, 
they don't hit at all. There's, there's really no contact practices anymore. Um, I'm not sure that makes a, a bit of a difference. Um, in a short in a short week like this, it was always uh, more of a mental kind of a practice than anything. You got to stop making the mistakes that they were making, and you know, the, look at the turnovers in the last uh, number of games. Uh, how many interceptions Riley has thrown, or yeah, I mean, how many points the offense has given up on pick sixes or, or fumbles, or you know, just putting your your defense into bad situations. And for me, that that's more mental than anything else. And uh, so, from a physical standpoint, they'll get their rest. They, they, they don't beat themselves up, but from a mental standpoint, they've got to, they, you know, they, they always talk about flushing these games and getting them out of their head. They really have to flush this thing. They've got, because I think that this game is tougher as a loss than the last one where you were not in the game right from the beginning, and this is a game that they had and they should have won. Yeah, for sure. Blake, always a pleasure to have you on the show, man. Glad you had a great Thanksgiving, and we'll talk to you next week after the Eskimos play the Red Blacks. Thanks a lot, Reed. That's Blake Dermott checking in on Inside Sports tonight. I, I loved how he broke down the play that Willie Jefferson scored off the interception, some of the, the back and forth and the adjustments that are going on. And, and Blake said maybe the Eskimos did have a run play called, but they checked out of it because they thought the Riders were, were, were going to jam it up in the middle. Um, having said that, I still would have liked to see a run play there. Tell you what, I, I want to catch up on some of your texts here, and, and I got a couple uh, messages earlier today as well, the 630-630. A lot of you, understandably, uh, very concerned about the green and gold and uh, what is going on there. You can also call. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. 780-496-0063. We'll keep you updated on the NHL and the baseball playoff game, too. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. Oh, a little unchained, eh, Kellen Kennedy? There you go. Great track. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. The Oilers did not practice today in Boston. They will skate again tomorrow. They will finally play their second game of the season on Thursday. 3.30 for the face-off show. The game against the Bruins will start at 5. On Saturday, we have a good old-fashioned doubleheader here on 6.30, Chad. 9.30 face-off show. Oilers at Rangers. That game at 11. We'll go with hockey until 2.30. Then we'll kick it over to Commonwealth. Red Blacks and Eskimos coverage starting at 2.30. Game at 3. Can the Eskimos get back in the win column? I realize many of you... Many of you are pessimistic, and I can't blame you, but we'll talk it out. This portion of the show presented by Furnace Family, your 24-7 furnace repair and replacement specialist. Call 780-4-FAMILY or FurnaceFamily.com online. Here's the deal, guys. You have Winnipeg, BC, and Edmonton. Two of those three teams will claim the final two playoff spots in the CFL. The lower team of the two that make it, will cross over and play in the East Division. Winnipeg is 8-7. and seven. They play home to Saskatchewan. Then they have a bye. 
Then they play home to Calgary. Then they play at Edmonton. BC is 7-7. They are at Calgary. They are home to Edmonton. They are at Saskatchewan. And then uh, they are home to Calgary. Sorry, they go at Calgary, home to Edmonton, at Saskatchewan, home to Calgary. BC has to play Calgary twice. Now, having said that, these games don't mean a lot for the Stampeders. The Eskimos are home to Ottawa, go to BC, have a bye, and then are home to Winnipeg. If the Eskimos win next Friday in BC, they will have the season series against the Lions. It's currently one win each. So that's a big one. If if the Eskimos win in BC and win one of their two home games, they will be in the playoffs. Clearly, if they win all three, they'll be in the playoffs and we will still have a chance to get third. So that's what we're looking at schedule-wise. Edmonton probably, well, I would say they do have the easiest schedule simply because they play neither Saskatchewan nor Calgary. Winnipeg plays both those teams once each, and then BC plays Calgary twice and Saskatchewan once. And Edmonton still plays both BC and Winnipeg, so they have a chance to go head-to-head against the teams they're competing with for those spots. So that's how the schedule breaks down. We're going to talk about, and and again, I'm sitting on a lot of your texts here because a lot are coming in, so I want to do them all in in one big block. I I went and checked all the Eskimos games earlier today because we've talked a lot about the uh, the lack of halftime adjustments, their failure to score a lot of points in the second half, their failure to score in the fourth quarter. They have gone four straight games without a point in the fourth quarter, like not even a single or a field goal or a safety or something. When the Eskimos have trailed at the half, they're one and four. Their only comeback was the very first game of the year, the Lightning game in Winnipeg. On 10 occasions this season, the Eskimos have led at halftime. They're six and four. That is not good enough. If you are up at the half, you should be winning more than 60% of the time. They've led 10 out of 15 games at the half, and they're only seven and eight on the season. This is Mike Riley from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. Dave texting in. He says, hey, Reed, Def Leppard getting nominated for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is similar to Connor McDavid getting appointed to the All-Star team. It's a nice nod to their talent, but doesn't mean anything good for Leppard, though they deserved it years ago. That is from Dave. Yes, thank you very much. People are congratulating me that Def Leppard has been nominated for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Not inducted, not selected, nominated. Well, they were second in voting uh, today next to Stevie Nicks. Or they, or do they show the voting online? Yeah, you can see the, you well, can watch probably, the results I'll probably time vote for want. them just for fun. Yeah. But I, again, I'm just, I'm just not too worried about it. Oh, they'll get in. They'll get in. It's just overdue that they're not in, that's all. I mean, do you have to be in the Hall of Fame to be great? I guess it helps to be enshrined 200 years from now. People are going to be walking through the Hall of Fame and being like, oh, Def Leppard. Oh, I guess maybe I'll look them up. I'll go listen to one of their cassettes. Possibly. 
Uh, Marshy texting in. He says the Eskimos have the easiest schedule of the teams fighting for the playoffs. Still think they can go two and one down the stretch and at least get a cross crossover. That is a text from uh, Marshy to six thirty six thirty. Kevin says, hey, Reed, by the time the Oilers really get their season started, the other teams are going to be on the All-Star break. <laughs> well, it's a, yes, it's a, it's a slower start to the Oilers' season. When did the NHL season start? Last Wednesday? So the Oilers played an exhibition game that day before the regular season started. Played Saturday in New Jersey, or pardon me, against New Jersey in Sweden. They were the road team. Flew back to North America, to Boston on Sunday, practiced uh, Monday, that was yesterday, off today, will practice tomorrow and play on Thursday. So there you go. That'll be eight days into the season they will have played. No, that'll be actually nine days into the season because Wednesday to Tuesday is seven days. So nine days into the season, the Oilers will have played twice. A very slow pace. Not quite other teams on the All-Star break, but uh, point taken for sure. Uh, I've got to apologize to Lynn here because I don't know the answer for sure. I don't know if Moss and Morley will talk about it between 7.30 and 8 tonight. Lynn says, hey, Reed, did we ever hear what was said for that late objectionable conduct call? I think that really hurt the Eskimos. Money Hunter got an objectionable conduct call after the Esks made a stop on 2nd and 10. Uh, no, Saskatchewan did not score on that drive. But, yes, it allowed them to keep the ball a little bit longer. It seemed to be well after the play, and it looked like from some of the body language and pointing was going on that Money Hunter was saying, I was saying something to one of my teammates, but it appeared to be interpreted as perhaps something directed at the other team. There are certain words that uh, in society we discourage from being used, and pro sports has uh, adopted that philosophy words that probably would have been commonly used and and directed at uh, opponents or officials, uh, and generally uh, words that are are racist or are homophobic slurs. You may remember that uh, Pat Watkins for the Eskimos four or five years ago, former defensive back, got fined for uh, using a term uh, towards Bo Levi Mitchell after the Stampeders had scored a touchdown. So sometimes if those words are overheard by officials... They are flagged. Uh, there was an injured rough rider on the play. I, I don't know if maybe the official thought he was saying something derogatory or taunting the, the rider player about the injury. But, but uh, you can usually tell whether or not a, a player is guilty. I mean, they will often argue, but you can usually sort of tell by, by body language whether or not they know they're actually guilty. Now, Money Hunter was guilty of a really dumb penalty earlier in the game. Remember, Kelly smacked the uh, rough rider player in the face well after the whistle. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if that was uh, an egregious foul that he committed to get the objectionable conduct penalty. There was definitely some confusion about it. We'll see if we uh, get enlightened on that as we move along, Lynn. Thanks a lot for texting in. Uh, Brandon texting 630-630 as well. No handoff to C.J. Gable on second and five. That's simply a coach who doesn't trust his offensive line. Well, I'll tell you what. I would have loved to see the handoff there. I think you hand it off. You either get the first down or you get four yards and you can sneak it on third down. If you get stuffed, you're punting with the wind and you either take off another 20 seconds or force the riders to burn their final timeout. Uh, Either way, that's an advantage. And the way the Eskimos' defense was playing, 
I, I would have gladly been in that situation. You know what? If the Riders can drive, would have been able to drive, say, 90 yards and get a touchdown in a minute and a half, then they deserve to win. They're, they're the one offense that scored a touchdown. They drive 60 yards and kick a field goal. Again, credit to them. You're going to overtime. Neither of those are the outcomes Eskimos fans would have wanted, but but they're better than, than what happened. And uh, Jefferson obviously able to read that play and make the pick. The Big L says, Reed, Blake said difficult to put your hands on it and then corrected himself as difficult to put your finger on it, but he was right the first time if he was referring to the receivers. That is from the Big L. Well, a couple of drops yesterday. Uh, Hazleton made one really nice catch on a long pass down the sideline. Didn't think he had a great game otherwise. They're, they're, you know, they're missing Darrell Walker. There's no doubt about that, but you should be able to score the occasional touchdown, even if you don't have Darrell Walker in the lineup. I'll tell you this, every other team in the league doesn't have Darrell Walker, and they're scoring touchdowns. So the injuries can't be an excuse. Kevin says, Len Rhodes has to be the biggest downfall. Is uh, When Ed Hervey got fired, Len Rhodes had single-handedly dismantled this team. Okay. Kevin, deep breath. I'm not going to tell you who to like or not to like. If you don't like Len Rhodes, that's, that's your right. And Len knows, you know, that's... He's in a job where you're going to get criticized and not liked sometimes. Uh, but Len Rhodes did not dismantle the Edmonton Eskimos. Let's take a deep breath there, Kevin. You're going to be okay. Irish Andy says, I was upset yesterday, but today's a new day and we move on. The time machine is still quite not ready, unfortunately. I like to think the Eskimos have gotten all the possible bad out of the way, and let the good start to come our way. Why? Why not, I say. Go, Esk, go. That is a text from uh, Irish Andy. Andy, I know what you're saying. Uh, that was obviously an unusual way to, to lose a game. You, you wouldn't expect that to happen. You're, you're killing the clock or trying to add to your lead to put it away, and instead you throw an interception to lose. Um you know, having said that, is is that a bad break, or is that a good play by Saskatchewan and a, and a bad one for the Eskimos? I, you know, I don't know if that was, in my mind, that wasn't a bad break. The way the Eskimos lost that game, they they didn't do enough to be in a better situation. Um, I mean, I guess if anything, and I, and I talked about this last night on the show, Kellen. We did do a live edition of Inside Sports yesterday. Mm. Um, I didn't talk. I I didn't. I only talked about the roughing the passer challenge because someone asked me about it late in the show. Right. Because I, I didn't think that's, you know what, I thought it was a 50-50 call, and if we're relying on that to try to win a game or keep the ball, you probably haven't played well enough, and they didn't. So, you know, maybe, I would say to Irish Andy, maybe there's going to be a close call like that down the stretch that'll go the Eskimos' way, because they didn't get that one yesterday. Um, but I, I wouldn't say the interception itself was a bad break. I would say that was a good play by Saskatchewan. All right. This texture says, uh, Tom, the offensive line is not good enough. They always need help pass blocking to give Riley time, and that pulls a receiver out of the play. The defense is stepping up, but too bad the offense is stuck in neutral. Well, uh, you know, that's that's the crazy thing about the season. Early on, we're uh, looking at a pretty potent offense. I mean, here, here was the storyline early in the season. Um, they go into Winnipeg, and they rally late to win. 
33-30. Riley pulls off his magic. They had that 101-yard touchdown to Walker early in the game. They score 33 points. They outscore the Bombers, and they get the victory. They come home to uh, Hamilton, uh, get beat pretty badly. The defense can't stop uh, Mazzoli, can't stop uh, Banks, can't do anything. And uh, it looked really bad. And, and we're going to say, okay, it's going to be tough for the defense. As the season has gone along, the defense has improved and, and the offense has clearly gotten worse. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, now you're sitting, now the, the, big, the big thing that puts you down what if alley is what if, what if the offense is able to help out the D a little bit the last two weeks? No, it didn't move the ball against Winnipeg. They're start, they're, they're, Winnipeg's starting at or, you know, around midfield or on the positive side of midfield most of the game. And then, you know, clear, clearly yesterday the defense played about as well as you can play in the Canadian Football League. I mean, unless you're going to argue that you got to score a touchdown, which Saskatchewan did. Um, but, I mean, I think a couple of turnovers and, and holding a team to basically three field goals. I know they got another one late after the offense lost the ball on third down. I, I don't know what else the defense is supposed to do in, uh, in that situation. Uh, this texture says, is the Eskimo offensive game too one-dimensional? Another text from Jerry says, where are the slants and the short dig routes? Where are the trick plays, reverses, and throwbacks? Haven't seen those since Chris Jones was here. We only run up the middle or throw a long pass. The defense knows what's coming. Well, yeah, that's all... Uh, that's that's a very good question. Is are they doing enough from a play calling perspective to keep the defense a little bit off balance and at least have some doubt where you know is this going to be uh, something a little different or something we have to guard against. And, you know, this, this one texture says, you know, what about a reverse or a throwback or something like that? And, yeah, it doesn't even have to be necessarily a crazy trick play, but is there enough to throw the defense off? And, and you know, it's a, lot of play, a lot of teams will run that jet sweep, right, where a receiver runs through the backfield just before the ball is snapped. You fake to him. Every once in a while, you give it to him. And even if it, the play doesn't work, You've at least established, you know what, sometimes we might run this play to the outside and make you have a, force you as a defense to have a guy or two follow it to the outside. And definitely we haven't seen uh, enough of that as we move along. You can keep texting 630-630, phone number 780-496-0063. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. No score in the third between the Red Sox and the Yankees. We'll update the NHL when we get back. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 
Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. All right, well, during the commercial, the Red Sox have gone ahead, leading the Yankees 1-0 in the top of the third. The Red Sox trying to finish off that series tonight. In the NHL, the Sharks are up 4-0 on the Flyers in the second period. After two, the Hurricanes lead the Canucks 4-3. Avalanche and Blue Jackets in a 2-2 tie. In the first period, Calgary up 1-0 on the Predators. Lindholm with the goal. Kings and Jets tied 1-1. And no score between the Maple Leafs and the Stars. Oil Kings play later on tonight against Tri-City. You can text 630-630. Oh, here's a good one from Jerry. It's my birthday today. I'm thinking for my birthday, I may go hang out at the airport. Maybe I'll get to see a touchdown. Oh, my. Ouch. (laughs) That's a good one. That's a good one. 780-496-0063. We have Hilaire on the line. Hi, Hilaire. Go ahead. Hi, Reed. It's... The one question that I have is Mike Riley has not had any protection, and, I mean, he's been getting creamed, uh, you know, and he's got to have more protection because his his, uh, throws to his receivers are dead on, and he hasn't had the opportunity to fulfill that when he's getting smashed. Well, I think you're bang on. I mean, the the three interceptions yesterday, let's look at the second and the third one. Uh, this, the second one, he didn't follow through on the ball. It kind of floats in the well, air. it floated. And Nick Marshall's able to pick it off. And then obviously on the uh, the one that ended the game or decided the game, you know, he was under pressure and he, and he got drilled. And we can debate whether or not it should have been a penalty, but, you know, he got blitzed. Uh, but, I mean, I, I think Alaire... They, they, they got to figure something out, and this is why I've, I've been critical of, of Jason with some of this. If you have an old line that is maybe, you know, average or a little below average, and, and they didn't have Sorensen yesterday at center, so that probably hurt them, then you got to try to move the quarterback around a little bit or get the ball away quicker or, like I said, try to run a little misdirection to, to delay something, but they seem to be going back to the same plays uh, over and over again. Yeah, and, and, still and not that's working. why they're picking them off. Yeah. Yeah, it's been tough. It's been tough to watch. I mean, and I said this on my show yesterday, Lair. This is not an Eskimos team with a, that has a developing quarterback. I mean, Mike Riley's not a new quarterback where you accept that sometimes things are going to go wrong. This he's is a, this is a guy at a quarterback. peak. He's, and he's at the peak of his career. We shouldn't be going nine quarters without scoring. But he hasn't had the opportunity to, to complete those passes uh, when he's getting hammered the way he is. Absolutely. Yeah, you're right. Thanks, Hilaire. Hope it gets better, buddy. I hope so, too. That's Hilaire, 780-496-0063. Uh, Robin texting in as well. Getting a lot of stuff on the Eskimos tonight. This is good, guys. Uh, Robin says, like many fans, I am losing faith in Jason Moss, but to make a change with three games left basically tells the players it's hopeless, have to hope for some sort of miracle turnaround, but if that doesn't happen, then the Eskimos have to uh, move on from Moss, in my opinion. That is a text to 630-630. Well, I mean, I mean we'll see. I, I mean, clearly he's, he's, he's being criticized. Uh, clearly the, the area of the game that he's most responsible for is the one that's, that's not clicking. So, you know, I've I've never been a big fire the coach guy because you know you you have a, a bad run. It's always easy to blame the coach. I, I there's usually more to it than just that. Um, but like I said, the the, the lack of adjustments, the the lack of a, a a sort of 
change to the game plan or or figure out what your team's strengths and weaknesses are and then play to the strengths uh th- that that kind of has me has me concerned but you know here's the thing if I come on here and say, well, fire the coach, fire the coach, and then they win their last three games, am I still going to say that, or then do I have to call him a genius? That's why, as both a, a fan and, and, a, and a media guy, that's not my default position, uh, but criticize and analyze, uh, you know, absolutely. And unfortunately, there's a lot to criticize lately. Rovin is on the line. Go ahead, Rovin. Hi, Reed. Didn't Hi. expect the answer so soon. No, I'm here, man. Oh, right on. Hey, listen, the reason I'm calling is because I'm getting a little fed up about all these callers calling in and talking about the offensive line and, you know, Mike Riley not having enough time to throw. I've been saying for years, I've called you a number of times, that we don't have a balanced attack, and that's the problem. Other teams are teeing off on our receivers and on Mike Riley because they're anticipating the throw. I mean, we have one of the best running backs in the league, and we don't use them. If we start to use them, we're going to throw defenses defenses off balance a little bit and give Mike more time. It's so unfair to blame the offensive line. Coaching is more to blame than the offensive line. What do you think about that? Well, I'd like to see Gable touch the ball more. Uh, I mean, I said yeah. this. Uh, I said this yesterday, and I know I know it was a holiday yesterday, so maybe not as many people were tuning in. But you know, Gable had 12 carries for 56 yards. That's a 4.7 yard average. You had second and five on your own 51. Perfectly said. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. 4.7 yards per carry is pretty decent. Uh, three... And if you can get that on first down. That gives you way more options on your second down play. And he already ran for five on first down. You know, and like I said, it's game management. Uh, second and five with the wind around midfield. He gets stuffed. You punt with the wind and you challenge Saskatchewan to go the length of the field against your defense. That have, I mean, that, that might have been the best game by an Eskimos defense since they won the Great Cup in 2015. Oh, defense and share it. What, what can you say about him? I mean... Yeah, I enjoyed that aspect of the game, but I'm just I just thought that they would come out and run the ball down their throats. And you know what? If on first down you run the ball and you get a yard, run it again and keep doing that until you can basically throw them off balance and and give the receivers a chance and mike more time. And Robert, like I said, I just feel bad for the offensive line. Okay, thanks for calling, buddy. Appreciate it. Okay, thanks, Reed. Inside Sports, we're back after the news. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.